You're listening to the Redemption Hill Church Podcast. Veracity is a series in which we'll take a current social issue and look at it from a biblical perspective. Today we're talking about a very sensitive issue. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, Pastor Chad here. Welcome to the Redemption Hill Church Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This particular series is produced once a month. However, our Sunday morning messages are available weekly. Now, let's get to the message. I'm glad that you guys are here today. And uh, we started this, and so um, what? some of you are here because you know it. Some of you just came and... Um, didn't thought we were just doing our normal Wednesday nights. And so just to kind of give us a little bit of a background here, this veracity series that we started, um, we started actually last month and really the last, the last, um, Wednesday of each month, we will, um, do this, this series. And, and, um, the word veracity means it's a pursuit of truth. Okay. And that's where we got the, that's where we got the, the name veracity and, and, um, hopefully we as Christians believe that we find truth in the Bible. And so the Bible is our God. And, um, and uh, so, so what we're trying to do really is um, use some kind of pressing social issues um, and, and look at them from a biblical perspective. Uh, it's kind of heightened now as we are in a time of election and um, some of these things come more become more present just because of the, the time that we're in. Um, some issues that we'll talk about will be uh, maybe more controversial than others. Some are a little bit more black and white. But, but our, our goal, and we didn't necessarily last month achieve part of the goal. I, think, I thought last month was good when we talked about abortion. Our, our, the goal is at the conclusion as we get to the end that we have some time that we can just have some kind of discussion, some kind of Q&A, some talk about, um, about the particular topic. Now, I'm going to be up front and honest with everybody. I'm not going to necessarily have all the answers. And so, um, but I, I do want us to have some of those conversations. So, so you know, if, you, if we, when we get to the end here and uh, there's something you'd like to share, maybe you have a, a question, uh, insight, something you want to add to it, um, by all means. Uh, tonight, I think, is one of those issues that is, it is sensitive and is controversial. I think it's one of those issues that we have seen a seismic shift in the culture that we live in in relation to the view of, of this. And so we, I kind of titled it the idea of a discussion on, on same-sex marriage. But really, in this kind of vacuum, um, you were, we're addressing same-sex homosexuality and really to a certain extent, you know, this kind of transgender movement. And so really it's, it's kind of a wide vacuum. And, and the reality is this, it's 645. Our goal is to be done by seven. So I don't get in trouble by my wife. Um, and we can't, we cannot, 730, we, we cannot, um, we cannot cover this topic in 45 minutes. We can't really cover it in one, if we had a full hour, we could spend several weeks on this, on this issue. And so, um, but one of the things I've, 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 I've said from the very beginning, as we talk about these things, um, 
that, I, that I'm very, very um, holding to is this, that, that where the Bible speaks and we find truth, that we have to stand firm behind that, okay? But we have to do it in a loving and graceful way. Um, I, I think that, that this subject is not new, okay? The same sex, the um, homosexuality as a whole, it's not a new subject. It's not like we've just begun to see this idea, this, this um, as, as you'll see in, the, in your paper there, after you guys get through that first page, there's five or six pages back to back where the Bible talks about homosexuality, sexual sins, and things of that nature. One of the traps that we kind of find a little bit today is people will say that the Bible doesn't talk about this, um, that Jesus doesn't talk about it. And, um, and so I, I felt it important for us to go that we're not going to go through all those verses. Some of this is meant for you to take home, read, digest, think about, pray about. Um, parents at the back, why yours is different. There's about three different sections in there about how you can approach some of these subjects with your children. Now, some of your children are here. Some of your children are downstairs. And, um, and unfortunately, as we talked about this, you know, 10 years ago, I may have said our youth shouldn't be um, maybe part of this discussion. But, but they, are, they face this to a greater level than I think we as adults do. And so because of that, I wish as I were to say some of these things, it would be completely foreign to them. And they would think, what? But, but they could probably share more with us and enlighten us to a certain level. So, so we've um, chosen to encourage them to be part of this. Now, all that said, I'm going to pray and we're going to try and, and look at this subject, all right? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the things you've done for us. God, I thank you just for your word for the Bible. And I thank you for the truth that it holds and Lord, I'm thankful that it's not just this book that's outdated. It's not a book that um, isn't relative to where we are today, but it's truth. It's truth that endures. It's truth that was given to us by you, our creator. And so, Lord, I, I pray as we talk about this, as we look at this, as we just try and maybe briefly begin to engage in these conversations, that you just help us to have a spirit of grace, a spirit of love. Lord, I pray you convict us, help us to stand strong and firm where you want us to stand strong and firm. Lord, help us to hold on to your word, white knuckles and all, Lord, and help us to grasp it and understand it and live by it and learn by it. Lord, we're just so thankful that you've given it to us. So in these times, in these days when there is so much uncertainty, in these days when, when it seems so chaotic, and so twisted, Lord, may we grab a hold of you even tighter. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all the things that you've done for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to go back to the very first book in the Bible. The very first book, it's in Genesis, okay? The very first, so if you have a Bible, there's a couple in the back if you, if you want one and didn't bring one. But, but here, so this is what, as we, as we kind of look at this, you might be thinking, okay, so why are we going to read about Adam and Eve when we're talking about this particular subject? And, and, and what I think is so important for us to understand is, is, um, 
is when we look at that and you look at those first two chapters really of, of, of Genesis, you see this amazing picture of creation, okay, when God created all these different things. And um, I think one of the most attacked things in all the Bible is comes down to this very beginning of the Bible. And, and, and here's what's important to us is if we don't believe and hold firm to the first two chapters of Genesis, then the rest of the book means nothing. Okay? And, and one of the things that's so important for us is, is we, we don't have the right to pick and choose what we think works for us when it comes to the Bible. And, and so we're going to go back here to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 18 through 25, we really begin to see this um, ordination, this, this structure, this foundation of marriage. Okay, And so let me read this. Genesis chapter 2, 18. Um, and then God said, and then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a, help, a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man lived, or the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds and to the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over or come upon the man. And while he fell asleep, one of his ribs, and, or he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so you have this picture. And it was so interesting as you read through. And if you were to begin in Genesis chapter 1 and read at this point. As you consider those, those seven days of creation. Every time God done with something, he would step back. He would look and he would say, this is good. Okay? It's day one, boom. This is good. This is good. This is good. Until we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and then we see there where the first time in Scripture, God stepped back and he says, this is not good. Okay? And his, what he's doing is he's stepping back and he's looking and he's created most of creation. He's created Adam. And he looks back at Adam, and what he's saying is Adam's not imperfect, but what he's saying is Adam's incomplete. Okay? And so in order for Adam to grasp this, because Adam has no idea, right? So what happens is God has all these animals go in front of Adam. And it's Adam's job to name each of these animals. So, so they each go by him. And as Adam's doing this, he's noticing something. He's noticing the differences. He's noticing that, that, that each of these animals have these mates, but he's different. And none of these animals can match up, can meet up with him. And so God causes this large sleep, great sleep to go over Adam. 
And Adam, and God, as he does that, he takes a rib out of Adam and he begins to create woman. And, and in that passage there, um, when he says, and this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. Uh, that Hebrew, the Hebrew word there for man is ish. And the Hebrew word for woman is isha. Okay, out of man. And so what happens is God creates this perfect helpmate for Adam. And in there, um, we see this and, and their marriage begins and, and he begins to tell them. And this is where we, again, you, you see this, right? And some will say, well, there's just the two of them, right? Well, well, God goes on and gives them direction. Because at this point in time, Adam and Eve have no mother and father, do they? Right? I mean, other than the heavenly father, right? But they say here, he goes, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so in this, in that, those few simple words, what, what God is saying is, listen, you man, you woman, you'll, you'll eventually leave your, your husband or you'll, you'll leave your mom and your dad and you'll become one, one flesh. Okay, and that idea of one flesh, teens, if you want to snicker a little bit, you can, but that is referencing sex, Okay. You go back a chapter in the beginning or in, in, in Genesis chapter one, God goes and tells creation to go be fruitful and multiply. Okay, and so you see this design, this 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 structure for marriage, right? One man, one woman. Okay, and God created us. Now now in the society we live today, this idea of um of same sex marriage and, and really this um, homosexual movement becomes this idea of equality. And one of the things that becomes fuzzy is, is, is how they've begin to look at, at, and they've taken it really to a, um, a civil rights movement, okay? But in this, what we, we have to understand is this. God created man in his own image, okay? We all track in there? We believe that? We understand? We've read that before? God created us in his own image, man and female-like. Okay, so we are male, female. We are, we are equal in God's eyes. Okay, so there's really no, if we're all, for going back here to the garden and for the rest of eternity, for all of eternity, there, there is just no um, superiority between either or. It's we are all equal in God's eyes. But this is what's important. We're not all identical. Okay, and that's the issue that we begin to wrestle with now. Okay, God, God made us male and female. He constructed us special, right? And 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 when He talks about this idea of marriage of one man and one woman coming together, one flesh, one marriage, one lifetime. And this is what's amazing. So so we we see this picture here in the very beginning of the Bible, okay, of, of marriage. And it's set up. It's the way it's created. I mean, we can, we can make jokes. You know, God did not make, you know, Adam and Steve, right, or whatever the other jokes are. God made Adam and Eve, okay? Um, if, if God were to have ordained that lifestyle to be okay, then, then he would have formed us in a way in which all the functions of marriage could take place. And he didn't. 
But this is what's so important because because some of us, and I, I fear this a little bit within the, within church as a whole. I don't fear it. I know this because we've seen this tidal wave of change to where many, if not most, mainline denominations now have come to the point where they support same-sex marriage. And some maybe even here is thinking, what's the big deal? We just we think what they we want to think. They think what they want to think. It's no big deal. Okay, um, marriage was instituted in the Bible by God. And the big deal is this. So in the beginning, we see this formation, right? Well, if you go over into the New Testament, okay, to the book of Ephesians. Okay, so flip, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, who we met this past Sunday as we were talking about in the book of Acts here, is writing Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, and if you look at verses 22 through 33, and maybe your Bible is in a column or above it, has its subtitle as Wives and Husbands. But, but this is what's so important, okay? So if you have your Bibles, read this. If you don't, listen, okay? Because as we read this, we see this is much bigger than just a husband and a wife. This is much bigger than just a, a regular whatever marriage, okay? This is what it says. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, This would not be politically correct to say today, right? It's a different subject for a different time. But wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Okay, now we're even getting worse, okay? So wives are supposed to submit. The husband's the head of the wife, right? Even as Christ, this is what's important. So if you have a Bible, I would underline this. Even as Christ is head of the church, his body is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be the holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because he, we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, each, of you, each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she is respected by her husband. So when you see this picture, we understand why God holds so firm to the institution of marriage. Okay, this is much bigger than just whatever. we See, God in the very beginning in, in the book of, of, of Genesis plays it. He, 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 he sets the rules. He sets it up. And then we see it played out here in Ephesians. Why it's so important? Because this picture of marriage is the picture of Christ in us. Okay? In Christ, like in that whole passage, we read that like husbands are ahead of the house, but it's not like we're there to just domineer, be the boss. But we're there to protect, provide, to love, and to cherish. 
and wives play their part as well. But you see, there's today we see the day there's this constant strife. Well, well, if we were to go back into the book of Genesis, to Genesis chapter three, right? When we read, when we read earlier, we talked about this um, this marriage where where Adam falls asleep, he wakes up missing a rib, but boom, there's this hot wife, right? <laughs> Now I'm assuming she was probably pretty attractive. And everything is good. Everything's rosy, right? Well, things change. You, you get into the next chapter and, and um, God had laid these rules out. And these, these rules were laid out even before Eve was created. That, that Adam had like free reign and could do anything and everything basically in that garden except eat from one tree. Which is a pretty nice gig if you think about it, right? I mean, you have total rain, a, a beautiful... I mean, I don't think there's ever been a place like the, uh, like, like the Garden of Eden on earth since. You can do whatever you... You can have whatever you want. I mean, it's all except for one thing. And like most of us today, when you tell us we can do anything but have this one thing, we're all drawn to that one thing, right? And you know what's, what's incredible about, about God... And sometimes when we consider issues like this, we think of these as negatives. But you guys understand this. Like when, whenever God gives us a negative, it's, it's followed with two positives. That, that God is protecting us. And he's bringing us to something even better. Okay? And so in the Garden of Eden, he, he's saying, listen, you don't want this. You don't want what this tree has to offer. You're better off trusting in me. Well, Eve has a, a friend that comes slithering across, this snake. And, and the snake begins to kind of pester Eve, right? And say, listen, do you want to eat of this? You should, you should go have a, an apple or whatever the fruit was. And she's kind of balks at first. She says, no, I can't, God said so we couldn't. And then, then one of the greatest lies, a, a, a lie that is used today, Satan goes, well, did God really say that? So even when we consider this idea of this um, of homosexuality, when people will say, well, you know, did God really say that we couldn't? Well, we love each other. Did God really say, isn't God about love? I mean, did he really, is it really in the Bible? And so Eve um, falls and sins. And the byproduct of that sin Bible tells us that that work is going to become much more intense for Adam, right? I mean, he's going to have to work much, much harder. The land's going to get more thorny. And for Eve, uh, God says, well, your reward for sin is, is childbirth is going to be much more painful. And sometimes we think that's the only thing, but there's also this other part. God said, there's also going to be this, this strife now because, because you're going to want to... Um, Hold the position above your husband. There's going to be this strife now that you're going to have a hard time supporting him. And so you see this struggle. And that struggle is played out. Now, here, here's, here's the hard part. As we go through this, as we consider this idea, and, I, and right now you're saying, okay, Chad, you've talked about Adam and Eve. You've talked about Ephesians 5. We're talking about, about marriage. How does this really play with same-sex marriage? How does this really play out with homosexuality? How does this really play out with this, this transgender deal? 
Well, listen, if, if we, as I said at the very beginning, if we don't accept Genesis chapter 2, if we don't accept creation, then how do we accept God? I mean, God's the creator, right? And so if we get away from that, we, if we push him aside, then really what we're saying is, well, I'm really my own created person. I'll do what I want to do. I'm, I'll go through, and there might be some things in the Bible that I'll choose to accept because it, it sounds good. It may work out in the end. But we're still playing the role of God. And there's passages, honestly, quite honestly, I'm, I'm not going to read them. They're, they're recorded in there. Where God is crystal clear on his view of homosexuality. Okay? I mean, read Romans chapter 1, 26 and 27. Right, right here when, when after, after Adam and Eve, after God creates Eve, he goes through and he looks at this creation. Instead of it saying it's good, God says, this is very good. You go over, I believe it's Leviticus chapter 17, verse 3, when there's this discussion of what's going on. And he, he mentions this act of homosexuality and he calls it despicable detestable. It's a big difference between very good and detestable. Okay, so the Bible uses very firm, strong language. And some will say, well, Jesus never taught about homosexuality. And again, I think we have to be careful in that. I'll say two things to that. One, I'll say that's incorrect. In Matthew chapter 19, the very beginning of that passage, um, they're trying to set Jesus up. They're trying to set this trap the Pharisees are with Jesus on divorce. And they ask him this question. And Jesus goes back and he refers to Genesis chapter 2. And in his reply, he states exactly what Genesis chapter 2 says about one man and one woman becoming one flesh. And what God has joined together, no man can take apart. Okay, so I believe right there, like God is stamping and saying, listen, this is marriage. In God's eyes, in my eyes, this is the institution of marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime together. But some will say, well, that's in reference to divorce. And, and really, he never specifically spoke about it. I, I would say that um, that's a very slippery slope. Because in essence, what you're saying is if God didn't speak specifically about something, then he must have endorsed it. Um, You would have a hard time reading the Bible and finding um, something in the scriptures about crystal meth or cocaine. Okay? But I would hope that we could all agree that God would say, that's not good. (laughs) And what we see is we read from Genesis all the way through the end of the Bible, we see this continual discussion about sexual sins. And that's really where it comes down to. And some people will say, well, what about the people who were born that way? Um, And for the longest time, I think the church would say, no, there's no way you're not born that way. Listen, here's what I would say about this. When... Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, right? Can we agree with that? Anybody disagree? Okay. And sin was passed on from generation to generation. I believe, according to scripture, that the act of homosexuality is a sin. 
Can someone be born that way? I would say it's possible. But that doesn't mean just because you're born that way, you act that way. Okay? Um, when I said earlier that this has turned into this um, civil rights campaign in which they want to try and compare this to this racial division the country along back and really quite honestly it's kind of refestered um, I, there's a breakdown I think in that argument because when we start talking about skin color that's someone is born that way right and you have no choice in the matter is that correct like if, if you're you're born white like I was. I mean, you're, that's your skin color. That's the way it is. You're born with your color hair. I mean, unless you're dyeing it or whatever, or your eye color. You know, if you're, if you're born with, those are, those are things, those are tra- those are things that you have no control over. You can't, I can't act it out, right? I can't act out being white or black or Hispanic or Chinese, right? But when it comes to Sex, it is 100% a choice across the board, okay? Whether you are homosexual or heterosexual is a choice, okay? An absolute choice. We all choose that. We all decide that, okay? Now, one of the things I think the church has struggled with is we are really good about pointing fingers against that sin, and we want to ignore the other sexual sins in the church. I mean, just because we're heterosexual and not homosexual doesn't make us this golden child that does no wrong. Um, one of the scary things I think we begin to see as, as, as why this is wrong, why, why as we begin to see this accepted in society is, is the fabric of the family, the fabric of marriage begins to deteriorate. And it's my belief as we begin to see this stuff roll out, just as this whole ramp up against this in this same-sex marriage has occurred, we've seen this quick um, onslaught in this transgender revolution occurring. And, and I will tell you, as you begin to see this, you already begin to see legislation coming in saying, well, if this is okay, then what about this? What about polygamy? What about having multiple wives and husbands or whatever the case may be? And this moral fabric breaks down. And what we do is we begin to see that we become desensitized to this stuff and we become much more agreeable to it. And we can look at statistics. Folks, I mean, I got, I've got a binder up here of, I don't even know how many pages, of statistics and quotes and from religious people and non-religious people. And you look just in a 10-year span from 2003 to 2013, and almost every denomination, you saw a trend, a change from strongly opposing to almost agreeing with. I mean, society as a whole, like those of faith, they say those of faith. That's a very broad term, okay? That's basically if you go to church, visited a church, have thought about church. Okay, they say those of faith in the United States today that 58% agree with same-sex marriage. The country as a whole, you take those out of faith, those you know, who don't identify with anything, it's over 80%. See, the, 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 the tide has changed significantly. So what do we do? 
What do we do as a, uh, as a faith family? What do we do as Christians? Is it one of these subjects and topics that we just say, you know what? They do their thing. I'll do my thing. Doesn't make any difference. Yes. Sure. Can, I, can we hold that for a couple minutes till the end? Okay. Yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely come to that. I wanna, I, I'm trying to wrap this up in like five minutes here, and then we're going to open it up. The, the final part of this is, is, is this. Um, sometimes when we, if we deal specifically with this idea of homosexuality, we think that the end goal is to cause or make that person heterosexual. Like if we do that, then we've achieved, we, we've, we've corrected the wrong. And here, here's the reality. I, I think we're, we're, we are incorrectly trying to address the situation. The ultimate goal is holiness. Okay? The ultimate goal is holiness. Um, I, I read... A, I read an article, a story of somebody sharing this where this Christian dad, a deacon in a church, found out that his son was, um, was, was struggling with these same-sex attractions. And so he thought his best answer was to get his, his son a prescription to Playboy as if that would change him. But that's not... You see, that's the part of the problem is... is and, and this goes across the board. This goes with sin... Entirely. Okay? I mean, let me be, let me, listen to me crystal clear. If we don't deal with the root, it will never change. And the root for all of us, the root we all strive to get is to be holy. Okay? And if, and if we just try and figure out ways to avoid it, if we just try and put them in different circumstances, then all it will create is frustration. And it won't, it won't solve anything. So we have, we have that. I think we're approaching it wrong. I think we have this, that for so often, for so long, it's just yell, yell, yell. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're evil, you're bad, whatever. But, but we have to get to the point where we love, right? And I, I, I tried to talk about this, I believe it was this past Sunday. We talked about Paul. We have to love people, like with genuine, true love. Okay, Here, here's the deal. Truth and love go hand in hand, Okay. Truth and love go hand in hand. There's no way. Like, if you're not going to be truthful with somebody, then you ultimately don't truly love that person. Right? With our children. We do that, moms and dads with our children. When we discipline our children, right? We are doing it because we love them, correct? Sometimes we're frustrated, but but mostly it's because we love them. (laughs) Right? That's, That's why we do it. Okay? And 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 so what's important is as we stand in truth, okay, for us to step back and just say, well, I believe this, but I'm not going to say anything. What you're really saying is you don't really love those people. Yeah, because we're hiding from the truth. Guys, we live in a day and age of mass confusion. Mass confusion. Like you youth, you, you guys are in the thick of it. I mean, absolute thick of it. I mean, I, your heads have to be spinning. There's no way. Almost every TV show you watch today has a character that lives that way. They make them funny and innocent, and, and, and it desensitizes us. It makes us think it's cute. 
It's popular more than likely in your school. I've already heard stories about the whole bathroom situations. Folks, this isn't an issue that one day will come upon us. It is here. And for us to ignore it, for us to continue to be quiet about it, we'll, we'll do no good. Now listen, here's the deal. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And this is a topic that, that is one in which I can talk in grace and love. Because me, probably like almost everyone here, has had an impact in my own personal life with this. I, as a child, as a kid, I would, I would say um, the uncle that I adored the most, the one that I loved the most, the one that, 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 that meant the most to me was gay. Now, this is a long time ago, guys. I'm an old man now. But I, I remember, I didn't fully know it when I was a kid. I remember, I guess I was, I was in elementary, probably third, fourth grade, that, that my uncle lived out in California and was sick and had to come back, moved in with my grandparents. And that uncle of mine had AIDS. This is in the 80s. I didn't fully know what it was. My parents talked to us as kids about it. They shared with us. They told us what it was. They didn't tell us how he got it. They didn't necessarily tell us all of his lifestyle. But listen, I, over the next several months, watched this uncle that I loved and adored waste away into nothing. I mean, one of the last times, I remember going into this room in a hospital bed, and he was almost a vegetable. I, st- I still love my Uncle Steve. But he made a very poor choice in life. And so when I, when I consider this subject, like, like I have firsthand experience with it. And yelling at somebody and putting their fingers in them and telling them they're wrong, they're sick, they're evil, they're going to hell will not be what God uses to change. We need to love these people. We need to, we need to love them like Christ loved us. Romans 3.23 says that, that, that we've all sinned. Okay, that's it. I mean, guys, understand this. We are all on a level playing field. All of us. It doesn't matter what your sin is. We are all sinners. But God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Second Corinthians. Um, when I flip my paper, I lost my page. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 says that God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Second Corinthians five twenty one says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, all of us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What that tells me is this. There's hope for all of us. There's hope for those who struggle with same-sex attractions. There's hope for those who struggle with their gender identity. 
There's hope for us in our marriages. There's hope for us as high school students, middle school students. There's hope. And that hope comes in Jesus. Okay, so. Ms. Elaine, why don't you share with us? Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, when we talk about it's, that's why it's so important that we as a church continue and always use the Bible as our foundation, okay? Because as soon as we absolve ourselves from the Bible, then, um, then we begin to pick and choose what we want and how we want church to be. And the reality is this. Most denominations are choosing to accept with the idea that, you know, we don't want to make enemies or, or whatever. And so, as Elaine said, I think it was 2013 when... When, they, when the Episcopal Church ordained their first homosexual bishop, and I think 2014 was when the Presbyterian USA as a whole adopted and changed their policy. As far, and, guys, it wasn't even really a close vote. I, I, I read about it this week. I think it was 429 people voted in favor of it and less than 100 voted against it. And, and just so we know, too, just for those who are, you have Presbyterians, you have a PCA group, and a USA group, okay? And the PCA group is typically more conservative now, and the USA group is the one that's kind of broken that way. Sure. And I, I meet with um, uh, next door. On Wednesdays, typically I meet with pastors, a couple pastors in town, and um, Jim Gravatis is the pastor over at Duke United Methodist, and he was saying this summer the Methodists are voting to determine what their church is, and he told me, quite honestly, that he's fearful of it. So, what else? Does anybody else have any thoughts, questions, concerns? I mean, obviously, we probably have lots of concerns. But anybody? Yes. Sure. I would say this, that, that um, sin is sin. But different sins carry different consequences. And so, um, so yeah, does that make sense? I mean, in God's eyes, sin is sin, but again, different sins carry different consequences. And again, that consequences can go in a, in a lot of ways, okay? When we consider this deal, I mean, a lot of us, when we think of homosexuality, we think of consequences, we go to like HIV, we go to AIDS and those kind of things. But then also you, you look statistically in that lifestyle, and how empty it is and how um, 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 they're striving now for marriage and these rights and all that kind of stuff. But, but I think, um, as most of them will find, that they don't necessarily believe in monogamy in relationships. And statistics play that out. So, and I think, you know, most of us hopefully understand and realize that we have to always be careful when we look at statistics. Because you can make statistics, right? <laughs> make any argument. Yeah. So, what else? Anybody else have any thoughts? Yes, MC Hammer. It's easier said than done. Um, un- unfortunately, there is great um, resistance right now and uh, a tremendous amount of hostility. 
And again, I would say this, you go back and say, listen, I think we as, a, as, as Christians, church as a whole, there have been times that we've thrown fuel on the fire. Now, what was done in the past was done in the past. We can't undo the past. The reality is this is where we live now. And so, again, as I say this, I think we have to be firm in truth. And what's important about that is this. Like, we need to, we need to stand firm about what the Bible says, right? So, first thing is this. We need to know what the Bible says, right? We can't stand firm on the Bible if we don't know what the Bible says. Okay, so we got to read. we got to learn. we got to study the Bible, okay? So, we got to know the Bible and be firm in that. But we have to do it in love. Um, and, and we talk about this in evangelism. Like when you go and you share your faith with, with somebody, the, the reality is you're going to have a, probably more have a, a much greater impact by sharing it with someone you have a relationship with, a friendship with, someone that you've invested in, versus going and knocking on a door to an absolute stranger, right? And so I think for us, part of that goes to that, that same deal. Like as you begin to have um, relationships with these people, as you get to, to have friends with them or, or have class with them or whatever else, I think that you just have to be able to show them first. And I think part of it's conversation, open conversation, where you ask, you talk, you whatever, and, and, and work through some of that stuff, you know. Hitting them upside the high though with the Bible right off the bat is not going to, probably going to work. But it will be a slow process, you know, and you have to really love that. And they're going to test that love to see if it's genuine, if it's true, if it's legitimate. You know, and we as a church need to do that. I mean, folks, if we had a couple show up here tonight for this, you know, what would we have done? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not a matter of us. Um, we don't want to encourage sin to continue. But, um, but, it's, but we also have to be careful that, you know, we got to disciple too and show them Christ's love. And we can't expect them to have all the rules in place and know everything they need to do before we let them into our group. So it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope. Who else has something? Anybody else have a, a thought, a comment? Something I'd like to share. And here, here's the, the, the deal, too. Again, when we look at marriage, we have to understand and grab a hold of this, the biblical form of, of marriage. And, and what twists it today is this, the banner in which the different movements operate is, is using that term love, right? We love, love, love. Okay. Um, youth, like I understand, like you guys aren't married. So you have no idea what marriage is like. Okay. One day you might. Some of you guys have boyfriend, girlfriends now and you love them. Okay. That's good. But, but, but what you will find in marriage is that, that love is an emotion to a certain extent, but, but ultimately it needs to become a choice. And, um, and in, in marriage you'll find there'll be times when um, you hit those hard times and you may not love your spouse, but that's not a right to dissolve. And, and again, this whole conversation, folks, we can, we can look at it from so many perspectives and, and, and it can be deflected by so many different arguments about divorce and everything else and um, other sexual sins. But again, here's the deal. To me, 
homosexuality falls into the camp as a sexual sin. It's like pornography, sex outside of marriage, those kind of things. What else? Anybody else have any thoughts, comments? And, but here's, the, here's the, the truth, and Jesus tells us in the Bible, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. At the end of the day, that's, what we keep, that's the one thing. None of us like to be disliked, right? We all like to pat on the back. We all like to be liked. But the reality is this. Um, we shouldn't expect anything different than what happened to Jesus that happened to us if we're going to follow him. Okay? And so there, there, will, be, there will be rough patches there will be times when um it's not it's not um cool it's not whatever and we're going to be the eyeball listen this is after the supreme court made this decision justice alito made this quote and to me this is again as we consider as we wrap this up he said this i assume that those who cling to old beliefs will be able to whisper their thoughts in the recesses of their homes but if they repeat those views in public They will risk being labeled as bigots and treated as such by governments, employers, and schools. And that's the reality. Um, And so this is why it's so important. And part of the reason why we do this or doing this is um, we want to try and help build a biblical worldview. At the end of the day, this is what veracity is. It's an, an attempt for us to help build and construct a biblical worldview. Okay, last, week, last month we talked about the sanctity of life. We talked about abortion. This month we, we tried limitedly to be able to talk about this idea of, of sexuality, same-sex marriage, of homosexuality, transgender, that kind of bubble. Okay, these are important. These, are, these are, are, are important issues. We live in, one of the, in the greatest country in the world. One of the things that makes us great is we have a voice. We have an ability to engage a youth group not... Some of you haven't gotten to that point yet where you can show up and vote. But for the rest of us adults, we do have that opportunity. And we can sit back and we can complain about the way America is. And there's a lot to complain about. Okay. 
but we can also engage and get involved. Um, and, and to sit back and be silent, in my opinion, is no longer an option. And it's our responsibility. It's a right, but it's, it's a responsibility that we as Christians have to be involved in this. And, and we're very quickly approaching the primary in our state. I think it's, it's in the beginning of March, right? 15th, 5th, 15th, okay? And so I've told you guys, I'm not going to come up here on a Wednesday night. I'm not going to come up here on a Sunday morning and tell you this is who you need to vote for. Okay? I'm not going to do that. Okay? I want us to look at these views, and I want you guys to be able to look through those candidates and find those people who best line up what the Bible says. For me, if I have options, I personally cannot vote for somebody who endorses abortion or endorses same-sex marriage. I can't do that. Um, To me, I think there's too much at stake. You need to wrestle with that. Use the Bible. At the back, on those back pews, we have two different voter guides. One, um, one's a little bit prettier than the other one. But, um, but as, as I've come across different voter guides, I will try and make those um, available for you. One, one is a bipartisan, meaning it's not Republican or Democrat. Back there, and it kind of lists up the, the candidates on the Republicans and the Democrat side. And a, a few issues, I think there's five or six. Another one uh, was from a website. It was like Christian vote or something like that. But as I looked at it, I don't think they had any Democrats represented. So take that for whatever, okay? But um, anyways, I'm going to pray for us. And then um, in the back, again, that back pew, Right back there, they're they're there um, for your education. And then again, parents, adults on the back there in that booklet, there's a couple sections on how to deal with and have some of these conversations with your children about some of these things. There's also a book, um, there's a a section, I think the first chapter or whatever, but but if if this is something that that you're interested in a topic, I would encourage you. These are two good books. Kevin DeYoung wrote, this book that says, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? is a very good book. Um, in, in that printout, the first chapter, I think, is there, which deals with family, which is so critical. And then one of the books that we're kind of using, I'm using as one of my main resources, is a book called Counterculture by David Platt. And it has a chapter on marriage and a chapter on sexuality, but it talks about a lot of different issues. So, anyways. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all things you've done for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. God, I thank you for your mercy and your love. Lord, I'm thankful that even though we are all born sinners, we are all um, undeserving, you loved us enough to send your son. Lord, as we consider this subject and and the subjects that come, and and these are sensitive issues, and uh, although... We may believe there's a black and white stance biblically on it. Our engagement in it is difficult and not always clear. So, Lord, I ask that you give us wisdom as we try to navigate subjects like this. Lord, I pray, I do pray, God, that you help us to stand firm on the Bible. Lord, help that to be our foundation. 
Lord, help. I, God, I pray that you protect us from trying to be people who pick and choose things that feel good or feel right to us. God, you are the creator. We're the creation. You have every right to make the rules. Lord, I pray that you just help us now. Help us to, to lovingly and graciously engage. Lord, I pray that you be at this process our country is in going through right now in an election year. God, as we have debate after debate and we see all the commercials and we see all the interviews and Lord, so much is being said, so much mud is already being slung. Lord, I pray that you just help us. Give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to find uh, individuals who believe in you, that, that believe in your word, that use your Bible as, as their compass. Or that genuinely, not just, they don't just say things that just try and get some votes from the, the church or the Christians. But help us to find those genuine people, people who have records that show what they believe. Lord, and we just ask that you, um, that you, that your hand is in this. And, and Lord, that we know that, that you're in control and we know that you've already chosen somebody. And so we just ask, ask um, for that. Pray be with us as a church. Give us safety tonight as we leave. Thank you for giving us safety last night in the midst of the storms. Pray be with those in the other communities who were struck hard. Um, many, many different homes were destroyed. And we just ask that you specifically be with those families. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Our goal at Redemption Hill is to see souls saved and lives changed. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you today and you made a decision, or maybe you have a question or a comment, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad, C-H-A-D, at rh-church.com. If you don't have a, a regular church home, we would love for you to consider visiting us. You can go to our website, rh-church.com, or find us on Facebook for directions. Until next time.